There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, October 1st, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 191. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and I have one thing to say to you, Rob Zachney. Don't squat with your spurs on. <laughs> also joining me today, uh, uh, Patrick Klepik, who knows that a cowboy is a man with guts and a horse. And, of course, uh, Daniel Riendo also joining I- us. Who taught us, uh, of mm-hmm. course, that nature gives us all something to fall back on, and sooner or later we all land flat on it. I also squatting. I'm, Good for I have glutes. all the funny cowboy sayings here from grammar.yourdictionary.com, and I've just been in the cowboy mood since I played Red Dead last week, and oh. I'm just going to, instead of talking about Red Dead, I'm just going to read all of these, all this cowboy wisdom that I picked up. Oh, good. There's there some, like, some dad cowboy jokes? Come on. Get on, get oh, on my level. Yes. Don't dig for water under the outhouse. Oh, don't let your, up Will Rogers quotes. Don't let your yearnings get ahead of your earnings. <laughs> that's a don't mess one. with something that ain't bothering you. See, that's cowboys right there. Right that's there. Cowboys. Never ask a barber if you need a haircut. See? That's what a cowboy that's would say. That's not bad. I do need a haircut. Don't ask a barber about that. Me too. I took to the life of a cowboy like oat like a horse takes to oats. That's not a good <laughs> that's not cowboy wisdom or humor. Uh, how is everybody doing? How how are all y'all? How are you doing, partner? Forty-eight to that's... ten, Rob. That's my life right now. Man, that's where I'm living. What that's... does forty-eight to ten mean? Three hundred fifty-four sport... yards, six yeah. TDs. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Listen, I don't Bears, want to talk about it. Number because... one NFC North. Woo! Yeah, it's great. Woo! Our I'm, quarterback, I... good as Aaron Rodgers. Hall of Fame. Start to get the jacket ready. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I tuned into the Eagles game early, and I was like, wow, we're up like 23-6, to six, and then we fucking lost, so I don't uh, want to talk about it. Um, how's everybody else doing outside of the Chicago Bears? Well, Danielle, the how are you? Runoff at new, I can keep going, Austin. I know. Well, we have a sports question today, later, at the oh, end of the good. bucket, yeah. so, so we'll get into this. And it's a sports question that drags everybody who gets mad at us when we talk about sports, which good. I didn't ask for, but, you know, here it is. Good. Uh, Austin, Danielle, I need you to you? ask me how I'm doing. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I had a very sporty queer weekend. I, I rolled with my uh, queer grappling group a whole bunch this weekend. Nice. Which is very good. And rolled is the technical term for sparring and grappling. Oh, I thought you were just like rolling around town. I was like, oh. Is I was rolling like around crawl? town. Hell yeah. Good. You know? uh, Rob Zachney, how are you doing, partner? I'm dying. How are you? <laughs> Well, Austin Walker, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. Uh, Are we doing this? Because we can do this. So you're a cowboy, but like a slick one. I have not yet begun to defile myself. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Well, when you do, you just keep that to yourself, okay? 
Uh, I saw Red Dead last week. <laughs> I saw Red Dead Redemption 2, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, we should do that. We should talk about it because it's an interesting game. They released a new trailer today. Um, that is their second gameplay trailer, and I, I, it is. I just want before anything. you get into it. I just want to yeah. point out how much I love how they do their trailers. Like Me just too. absent everything else, Rockstar's a complicated company. Do a lot uh, of bad yes, things, they are. but yeah, just the way they just narrate their trailer is so calm and relaxing and there detached a... in, a, in a in a in a way that I just really really like. There was a moment, so, so you should explain what that means, I guess, actually, for yeah, so there's, uh Basically, in the, like, the lead-up to the release of Rockstar Games for the last couple of years, or last couple of games, I should say a couple of it, years, because they, they go like, five years between releasing games. Yeah, L.A. Noir was the first one that did this, and that was 2010 or 2011. So. Yeah, so like, a lot of the, yeah. the marketing materials are like very cinematic. Uh, they're they're very much playing out like the, the atmosphere. You don't get a good sense of like how the game actually plays, like the mechanics and what you do. And then, like right before the game's release, about a you know month, month and a half, they start dropping these like four to six minute trailers in which uh, it does something just like so contrary to how other games like they're just they're on such polar ends with how they do their marketing. It's like one something that tells you nothing about how the game is actually going to work, other than what you can just kind of generally infer from an action adventure game. And then the other hand is these trailers where they just methodically, meticulously have. Usually a woman, I believe. Uh, Mostly, like, I, I rewatched these recently. It's a it, it's a mix, but it's almost it's the GTA Five ones and this are have been this one woman who speaks who has this very like uh, she could be selling me medicine, you know? Yeah. She could be a yeah. she could definitely be a pharmaceutical company spokesperson. Um, and it just it, it, and, okay. and it walks you through the different sort of like gameplay mechanics and like war i mean just goes down a bullet point of like here's what this game actually is as it just goes over like you know uh, cut a nicely timed b-roll showing you exactly like what she's talking it's just go watch them like the contrast between like the announcement trailers and these trailers are so strange very uh, but i i i find them very calming in a strange sort of way yeah, well, I think it's actually super interesting because so I saw the game last Friday. I did I had the same demo that I think everybody who wrote uh, previews uh, earlier last week. Which saw. means what? Like, how much did you play? Like, what I the... played in ninety minutes somewhere okay. in there, and I watched another thirty or forty minutes. I saw like I saw them play one mission. I played a bunch of the open world, and then I played one mission myself. That's like what the demo is, um, and that is like it, it is it is a fairly unconstrained demo for the section where you're just out in the open world and doing whatever you want to do. Um, but it is a the, the two missions I saw. Are, I'm pretty sure the same missions that everybody saw. They're fairly early. Um, the basic pitch for the game is you are playing Arthur Morgan, who is the right hand man in the Dutch Vanderland gang. The Vanderland gang is the gang that you're kind of going after in Red Dead Redemption 1. Uh, um, you, John Marston used to be part of that gang, and you've been sent out to, like, go capture the the, rem the remaining members of it uh, uh, because of events we'll get into when we have our Red Dead Redemption um, uh, well, Waypoint 101, which I think we're recording this week. So if you have questions, send those in, gamingadvice.com, Waypoint 101, Red Dead Redemption. You know what it is. Uh, I don't know why I slipped into my my funk flex at the end there. You know what it is. <laughs> John Marston, drop some bombs on it. Do uh, the readings. Cowboy style? Do the readings. Cowboy style. Cowboy style? New York. You know what it is. <laughs> John Marston in the studio. Um, New he has York City. New, New York, York City. Bah, 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 bah. Um, so the... 
that demo, the thing that was interesting was that watching those gameplay videos, the first one has, like, no action in it, right? The first gameplay demo video that they put out last month, I want to say, uh, it was, like, early August, so two two months ago. Jesus, it's October, isn't it? Um, was was about like oh you'll meet strange people you'll meet NPCs you'll have a camp where there are people you can talk to, um, and we added this new thing where you can talk to people like anybody in the world, and it was funny to not be part of the first wave of this preview coverage right like I, I they reached out our schedules didn't line up uh, and so I only saw it last week but if you read the first set of previews one of the things that they talk about a lot is there's this new mechanic where you can you know how most games left trigger like most shooters, left trigger is aim down sights, right trigger is pull the trigger. In this, that button does do that, but only if you've unholstered your gun, which is a different button press. You have to press L1 to unholster your gun and then oh, L2 wow. to, to aim and shoot, which huh. is, which is yeah, like I, I almost didn't say this out loud because I think it's so meaningful that I wanted to save it for the review. Uh, that's like where my head is at, but like I think it is so important to the game's identity that pulling out your gun is a different button than aiming um because instead what l2 does when you don't have your gun uh pulled is it focuses you on things and people and animals um when you focus you can talk and the talking is really it's like it is not mass effect dialogue wheels it is not uh bethesda style deep menus of like tell me about all the local information it tends to be for most people it's like greet them or antagonize them. Sometimes it also includes like rob them or threaten them. Um, but those are really broad buckets. So if you're one of those people who is like, I need to know exactly the words I'm about to say and the, before I hit this button, this is going to like drive you up the wall because it does not tell you. You just hit greet and your dude is like, most of the time you're, you're like, oh, howdy, nice day we're having here or something. And sometimes it devolves into a, or moves into a different conversation where it's like, yeah, it's a great day for hunting. You know, there are some coyotes over there, blah, blah, blah. Um, and sometimes it ends up going a completely different direction. Uh, and I think that that is one of the most interesting things was talking to them about that feature and the response that they got from the first set of previews and from the first uh, from the response to that first gameplay trailer where people saw that and were like, cool, 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 but let me see some gameplay. I want to see the gameplay. And talking to uh, – the demo was, was held by two people in the comms department uh, there, and talking to them, they were kind of not put off by it, but it was one of the things, the notes that they wanted to keep hitting was like, no, like focusing on people and talking to them is the gameplay. Like that is – we don't see that as a separate thing than shooting people in terms of the focus of our designers and the importance it plays with what you're doing in this world. We wanted there to be another way to interact with the world that was part of your core set of verbs that was not just shooting people. Uh, Rob? But now kind of the natural question arises. Like hearing yeah. that, I'm like, fucking awesome. But yeah. also history suggests that like, there's a difference between a game where you wander around, you walk up to people, and you just, like, spam, like, dialogue buttons and make people talk. Like, just, like, little puppets. Yes. And... Does something come to mind for you when you say that? Because something did for me in playing this, and I'm curious if anybody else... I wish other people had played this, because I, I, there's a comparison here that I think might work that I haven't seen yet. No, I mean, I, like, there's a lot of games where I feel like I get in that habit of, like, I'm just going to walk up to this person and hear every last line of dialogue yeah. I have. Yeah. Um, so the thing that felt the most like to me, and this is both a compliment and an insult, maybe, depending on how you feel, is <laughs> it, it felt like fable um, huh. in that the world okay. is populated with people 
and you can get positive and negative responses from them. But it felt like Fable with more dialogue and someone being like, yeah, you're a good chicken chaser. Look at you, chicken chaser. You farted at me, chicken chaser. And then like smiling or frowning, which is what happens in the Fable games because they're just kind of like good versus bad, right? Um, but it felt that way in terms of like there being communication as a systems-driven thing. Um, the you're not going to ring out dialogue to your question, Rob. You're not going to do the thing where you're like, tell me everything you know, because you hit greet, like, you hit the I'm going to be positive with this person button four times, and it ends with Arthur, Arthur, your character, being like, all right, have a good day. And then, like, all right, that's, like, the natural close, and you cannot continue that conversation at this point. Or it ends with a fist fight, or it ends with a gunfight, or it ends with them trying to chase you away, or, or, or whatever, right? Uh, I have not seen... I have not seen – there was a guy who talked about hunting, and that actually helped me. It was actually deer. I saw him I saw him get a deer, and he was like, yeah, it's a great place for hunting deer. And I'm like, awesome, cool, because I was literally looking for deer, and I stayed in that area and found some deer. Um, but I haven't seen uh, – there were some other cool moments that were around that. Um, but but I, I guess there's a broader thing, which is on top of them thinking talking is gameplay – or not thinking, but like that's one of their core designs. Um, they also generally – the pitch is – I mean, they gave us the they gave me the most rock star ass phrase ever, which is they're trying to make the thing that comes after open world games, right? Uh, by which what they mean is like, hey, with GTA three, they put a basic model into the world, which is there is a map, there are icons on the map. Some of those icons give you main story missions in which you and an NPC go do some shit together, and you get some characterization about that NPC, and maybe the the maybe the world moves forward, and probably it doesn't until you get through their string of uh, of, of missions, and then finally something new happens in the world when you do their last mission, and then there's side activities, and there's bowling, and there's dating, and there's all that other stuff, and all that other stuff is, like, segregated in terms of the design priority. Here, they want to, like, lift the, the, the tide so that all that stuff that's at the bottom comes up to the level of main story mission to the point that those two things, those types of things thread together and also that they are equally important in terms of production resources. Um, so for instance, there was a moment I was just out in the open world. I was in this town and this main character, this dude, uncle, who's in Red Dead One, who's also part of the gang, he gets tossed out of a bar. And if I had gone to interact with that stuff, that could have turned into a major mission maybe, right? Or I could have followed him home and gone back to the camp with him and talked about what had happened. Instead, I just kind of like yelled at him and walked away. Um, or you can finish a mission sometimes. And on the way back to camp, one of your people you were on the mission with will be like, hey, let's go out. Let's go fishing right now. And that can turn into a conversation. Or that conversation could pop up on your map separately because the icons that show up in your map sometimes are just let's do a walk and talk and talk about my son or whatever. Um, so that is an interesting thing. And they're finding cool vectors to work out different ways to, to disrupt their own old model. So the, the camp is the big one here. Um, you have a camp, your camp moves throughout the story. You're a camp of, of gunslingers and, and outlaws. And when you're at those, when you're at that camp, various people in your, in your gang will be there or won't be because they have schedules like all the NPCs in the world. Um, and when they are there, you can talk about them, uh, talk to them about stuff. And that it, it's such a small thing that I hadn't thought about until I played it. But like, it helps that I'm playing through Red Dead One right now. Where like, if you've played through Red Dead One, you know the opening of that game. There are some really strong characters like Bonnie McFarland, right? There are also some characters who are miserable. Um, and we'll, again, we'll <laughs> talk about this in the Waypoint 101 for it. But like, there's the character Irish, whose <laughs> character is he's drunk and he's Irish. And the only bits of Irish you get are when you're on missions with him or when you're on missions with him. And that is it. 
right? Like you get the cutscene at the beginning, you get him at during the mission, you get him at the end. And the thing with the camp is you can just like go over and talk to anybody who's in your gang at any point. And maybe so for me, it was like I talked to Jack Marston and he was like, Jack, so Jack Marston is John Marston's little baby boy. He's like, you know, five years old or something. And he's like, hey, mister, did you get anything cool in town? And I'm like, oh, not this time, big man. And he's like, well, next time, get me some candy. And it's like, all right. Like, they wouldn't have found time to put that, that line from that character somewhere in the old Rockstar model because there wasn't a home base. There wasn't a Normandy for Rockstar games, right? And it feels like they want there to be that now. Um, there was definitely a walk and talk where, like, you get some coffee from the from – the, uh, the the can whatever the campfire is and, and the pot in the campfire and then canteen. go over to an NPC. The canteen is what I was gonna say, but is that what that is? I don't it's probably know. Probably not. Probably. I was gonna say that though. It felt right. Um, <laughs> and and you just like walk over to another character and do this walk and talk, and they they're telling you about an opportunity. And I don't mean that that slips into a cutscene there. I mean like you're just walking around chatting and being either positive or negative, and then they you slip and go your other ways. And that stuff does feel really innovative and cool. Sorkin ask. Absolutely Sorkin-esque. They're oh. very much trying to figure out what is the what is the Sorkin of because they, they specifically didn't want it to break into Mass Effect One style shot reverse shot. And there was also a lot of talk about Mass Effect as being influential or being like <clears throat> I don't think that the that Simon the the comms guy explicitly said that there was some jealousy that that uh, Bioware figured out the the sort of that style of cinematic storytelling. Yeah, interactive cinematic storytelling in the last generation of games, but he's a big fan of, of, of Mass Effect One, uh, and and there was a lot of conversation around that as a an ex, as an as a a touchstone for the sort of change that they would like to see in the open world genre. Well, how this do you all... do that stuff without you know get it? This seems like part of the thinking through is yeah. all right. We need to get away from like little pieces of paper that are doing, yeah. doing backstory, that are doing exposition dumps, that are doing character development. Finding ways to design in instances where you can build out the world in a way that doesn't feel yes. forced. And by a, a camp is a way where you can come up with confrontations between characters. And yep. there's always, confrontation doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's just you can have interactions that feel natural and organic into the story that yes. are both optional. Like, it fills that need. It's like, hey, do you just want to play this game service level? Go through the story? Like... Go Sounds like you can probably still just icon, you can do it right. Yep. You can just keep moving. But if you're the kind of person like I want to know more about this world, these motivations, um, finding and like I'm just so tired of the you know the voice memos and the notes and, the, and like that stuff just feels every time you see it, even when it's done effectively, it's it, you groan, you you begrudgingly accept it as like a, a means of uh, conveying like a deeper level to the story in the world. And Who the it's fuck not, you is know, we in this, Patrick. <laughs> That's just, I'm like there the are core gamer. The, it's it, there are ways in which like notes things like that behind can be used effectively, but it's when it's used as a crutch as the only means of conveying things, and when it thus takes you out of the world, like the old Bioshock model of like you know leaving around stuff like that, where it's like no one's gonna leave this shit around. Like this isn't a, a na- like as these worlds become more believable, like the ways in which you learn about them, the, the less believable that stuff is, the more it breaks your ability to actually. Uh, be part of that world. And it sounds like Rockstar is trying to address it in some way. Remember when L.A. Noir had a fully produced movie of the villains discussing the, their conspiracy, like yep. in a candid shot? Do you remember that? Where, like, <laughs> yeah, L.A. Noir, you It was find playing in a garage yeah. somewhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, it's so, it's so wild. Like, I'm sorry, I just need to... I, I forgot need, like, about this. So, L.A. Noir, you're like, basically, they're cribbing Chinatown right and left. The entire right, thing right. is like property yes. rights and water rights, whatever. 
But you go into this garage and you find this newsreel. And it's the newsreel of like the official story. <laughs> LA on the march. Here are the leading citizens taking LA into the bold 21st century or something like that. Some bullshit like that. Uh, well, 20th century back then. But <laughs> anyway, midway through the newsreel, it just cuts to the characters in the newsreel having a meeting at a like a nightclub where they're like, well, once we get these property rights secured, <laughs> we'll be able to turn the screws on everybody from here to the valley. I love the way you think. And after that, we're going to do something about the governorship as well. And oh. then we're going to own this state, the entire state. And of like, California, it's still the newsreel. It's <laughs> still that's the newsreel. And like, still that's going. the reveal. That's the reveal. Of the, that's how you discover oh. the plot, by the way. Like, that's it is bad. the most like, you thought audio logs were bad or people are like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay loyal to Andrew Ryan. You thought that was bad? No. Like, <laughs> hey, newsman, can you just set up that uh, that recording device and just keep it rolling. Just just yeah. let it run. That's not great. That's bad. Um, like, and so here's like the opposite side of that is, I mean, so so one of the fun things about something like that is that's a lesson that cinema would never ever ever fall into, right? Which is which is the thing that Rockstar games have historically always tried to be is like they're trying to be. They're trying to be film. They're trying to be Goodfellas. They're trying to be uh, a Chinatown or or um, uh, what is the what is the neo noir that I'm thinking of? Uh, L.A. Confidential or oh, you know yeah. what I mean, right? That's what they're, they're trying to be. Um, but but film, I guess bad film certainly has exposition dumps, but it never is like the way the hero finds out. Mm, never is strong. <laughs> yeah, never Good is film a little tends strong. Tends to be a little more, a little bit more. Well, it uh, happens in games often enough that we expect it. Our expectations exactly. are so low that it's not even a trope. It's just how and part of that may be a function of how games are built in which like story you know historically has come so far last in the process that it's like how else do you build then that reveal unless it's like ah shit we can't build another area like we don't have the textures for it like put in something to explain how we get to the final act but yes it is it's something that does happen in other uh, mediums but not nearly to the degree where we just expect it in we video games yeah we talked about it. this a tiny bit in our lore episode but that talk right. from uh, Jan- Jennifer Brandis Hepler goes deeply into how you know, exposition becomes just the absolute worst, most ridiculous, overwrought thing. And, and you're absolutely right. It is sort of like, oh, the development process. You know, we thought we had a great story, but then QA decided, oh, oh <laughs> shit, we didn't tell anybody that you have to go kill 75 orcs. And oh my God. And then, you know, the producer decided, oh my God, you have to find a way of talking about how rich and deep the world is. So you have to add another 22 lines. Like it's just this right. whole really ridiculous thing. Yeah. So I think this is another place where this focus thing could help a lot. Or in this game, did in one instance produce the sort of effect again talking about film, the establishing shot. So I I, I take over the controller. I start walking around. They, they put me in kind of a, a wilderness area called Two Stacks. Um, uh, I was really hoping to be Three Stacks. Shout outs to Andre 3000. Uh, but it was Two <laughs> Stacks, and it was like these two giant plateaus. And the actual place in question is in today's trailer. I know this because I think it was Jackson. I think it was Jackson. It might not have been someone on Twitter was like, this is the most beautiful shot I've ever seen in a video game. Um, uh, And uh, you, you're kind of just like looking over these two plateaus in the, in the plains. Um, And I, you know, I wandered around a little bit and got, got up to some, some, some trouble uh, like you do in in rockstar games. I tried to lasso somebody. I maybe lassoed too hard and he fell off a fucking, a cliff. It was bad. Anyway, oh, I end no. up. I end that up. That sounds like a hanging. No, he fell off a cliff. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't holding him any. It's a okay. whole thing. Anyway, he dodged uh, it and fell. 
I'm not going to get into the specifics because if I do, they can hold me accountable. Okay. Um, right. I right. wander my way into this, into where I think society is based on like the activity on my map. Basically, I see I see a bunch of like horses and carts going in that direction. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go over there. And I wander into this this like all these animal pens, and there's all these sheep behind these pens, and there's probably like 15 people walking around this like animal market. Basically, it's like people who are there to buy these sheep. Um, and they're all like shouting and yelling and people are like telling arguing over prices of sheep. And it's a very like Assassin's Creed Origins e lived in space in a way that that uh, games have gotten better and better at, which by itself isn't much. Right. Um, and I, uh, I I walk over to one of the sheep and I'm trying to talk to one of these sheep buyers because I just want to like see how this system, the talking system works. Right. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, like, I guess L2 to lock on and I kind of start to lock on, but instead of locking on to the person I lock onto a sheep and there's a button that's just like uh-huh. study. And I'm like, why does Simon, why does this say study the sheep? And he's like, I don't know. Hit study. And I'm like, all right, I'll hold down the study button. And Arthur like drops to his like, you know, like a squat and starts looking between the two fence posts, like to like get real good, good look at these fucking sheep. And it gets added to my sheep index or whatever, my, my animal index. My, my It's like, a, no, I hope there's just a separate tab a sheep for just index. sheep. The sheep <laughs> index. Only sheep. Um, Is that how the stock market worked back then? Yeah, exactly. 100% commodities, you know, like sheep, uh, like you find on your breakfast sandwich. SEC stood for something very different back then. <laughs> sheep equity uh-huh. company. That's it. The sheep equity company. Um, and, you know, I, I had to like, they get out of the codex. I'm like, all right, cool, cool sheep. And I there and, and the two comps people I was with were like, all right, you should go to the real town. Like, this is just the sheep market, Austin. <laughs> like, the real town. If you turn around, you can see, like, a post office and a sheriff place. And see, the they don't understand this is Austin Walker. He, it, he would much rather I, hang out and see what you in, did in the sheep market than 100%. in the actual town. So I, I, I'm like, all right, fine, guys. And I start walking away, and I see a little blip on my map. And it turns out that there's a guy behind the sheep market who is like, who's like waiting for me, like waiting to jump me. But he's not waiting to jump me with a gun or a fist. He's waiting to jump me with his words and is like, Arthur Morgan, I recognize you. I mean, he might not say my name. He goes like, hey, cowboy, I recognize you from Blackwater. I saw what you did in that bar. And I'm like, yo, what did I do in that bar? And like, oh, <laughs> you have to play the game. I'm like, okay. And so I de-escalate the situation. My, my options at that point are like, threaten or de-escalate and so i hit de-escalate and i'm like whoa buddy listen nobody got nobody got permanently hurt everyone's everyone's okay right and he's like yeah everyone's okay but i'm watching you don't mess up again and don't you come back around blackwater again and at that point i do provoke just to be an asshole because i just want to get the last word in and i'm like yeah buddy you better be you you, yeah you better be if i don't come back you'll be lucky or something like that right like and he like he stor- he stomps off. He doesn't he doesn't confront me. I thought he was gonna like pull on me at that point, but he's like and walks off. And so I'm he like, will okay, remember cool. this. He will right. We'll see right. <laughs> um, uh, but that's like one of the great like this, like you know reading the different previews like those sorts of interactions. Sy- yes. Systemically, being part of like you know this sounds like a big game. This, this, we're looking 40, 60 hours probably, <sighs> probably like if you're spending yeah. like real time with this. Yes. Um, like the pro like if they're talk like. The, the, if like, an big picture they're talking follows that, me right yes. that should be something that you can tell an individual story about based on your decisions maybe not over 60 hours but like you know over the course of like 10 like maybe is there some sort of conclusion that that draws to like how does the i wonder how the game right. keeps like pressing that person back into your world so that you can like continue having meaningful interactions in which like along the way that provoke that you did like yes. like has some sort of like i that, hope who could say I, my right. guess is probably not but 
other things will continue to echo in. So, for instance, from there, I turn and start walking into town finally. This is when I see the character Uncle get kicked out of a saloon. I meet another NPC who gives me a uh, the sort of equivalent of, like, the dueling quest, like, go around and get all your, your gun duels in, and that stuff is all written pretty well. I actually think the writing in general was way better than Red Dead 1's writing, which, which in revisiting it, is kind of bad, with some really key exceptions that I think are really good, but, like, most of Red Dead 1, those characters are rough. Um, here, I think the, the writing is generally better, and then I, I end up I end up walking past this dude. Um, that's not true. I end up bumping into somebody. I end up bumping into a guy who's on a stairwell, who's, like, sitting on the stairs half drunk, right? He's, like, on the stairs next to the saloon. And I just kind of stumble into him because I'm just playing a video game, right? And I'm just like, oh, I'm running around. I'm using my controls. Da, 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 da. Oh, I bumped into him. And he gets up and he's like, watch where you're going. And he takes an aggressive stance. And I'm like, oh, we could go. Okay. And we go. And I knock him out. And everyone's like, oh. But that's okay because I just – I was defending myself, right? No one's going to get mad over a little fist fight. Are you a cop? No. <laughs> But, in fact, I'll prove it, because I'm a video game player, I'm a gamer, and so when it said loot on the screen, I was like, oh shit, yeah, triangle to hit loot, and I just reached down and take his pocket watch, and at that point, that's a crime. Would a cop do that? (laughs) Oh no! Well. Probably. Um, So I, the sheriff starts yelling at me to stop, and the sheriff starts chasing me and his deputies. I'm running through the streets at this point, and I'm trying to de-escalate, but but I I pull out my gun, and I, what is the opposite of de-escalate? Wait, is that how you're de-escalating? Out Pull out my gun, and I shoot him. And then it's a gunfight in the middle of the street. I steal a horse. I hop. I, I'm like, I'm trying to get away. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. A train pulls in front of me and stops that that direction of egress. I'm like, fuck, I can't get out because there's this train here. I'll make a right. I make a right. And where do I end up? The sheep pens. And I end up in these little sheep pens with my big horse doing these tiny little hops from pen to pen. But wait, because was it the same sheep you inspected? This is very it was important. The, it was the same sheep pens I inspected, okay. right? It was that same place I'd walked through where I knelt, where I inspected it slowly, where they built this custom animation for Arthur to like... So this is your happy place. This is Chekhov's this livestock is, my, is no, what it is. It's Chekhov's livestock. This is what I'm saying. It's like oh. they, I had the establishing shot effectively. The establishing shot here wasn't a camera shot. It was me kneeling to look at these sheep. It was gotcha. me investing in a location and saying like, oh, yeah, that's where those sheep were instead of just walking past it, which would have, which would have been fine, too. But specifically, it's like, I can't fucking believe I'm back in the sheep pen. And I said that out loud and like immediately started laughing and I end up getting away and I end up stumbling into some other shit. Right. I end up finding a weird body because this is like a corpse that's been mutilated because Rockstar is going to do their serial killer like side plot again. Um, and I end up coming back and paying my bounty to like clear the clear the name. And then when I walk past the sheriff again, he's like, I saw you, pay, I saw you paid your bounty, but like, don't pull that shit in here again or something like that. And so like that story does include some of that new stuff around focus mechanics, around trying to escalate and de-escalate. And that felt really good. Um, I just also don't know, does that feel really good for 50 hours? Does that feel really good right. if the bulk of what I'm doing is still just the train robberies and stuff like that? Um, and, and. I didn't see enough of this game to even begin to dig into the thematic landmines uh, that it is walking around. Um, it is yet again a game about about civilization marching west and the idea of the the sort of free cowboy, the free outlaw who wants to like break away from society and and live all on their own. And you know, yeah. <laughs> there is there was I played for I saw two hours of this game. Uh, I did not see anyone talk about Native Americans. I didn't see anyone talk about about like the history of the country. Um, I did not, 
see any of the rock star edginess that I'm used to. Um, but that doesn't also isn't mean that, that to like, be blunt, but like it isn't like a, a, a point of this game that like there is going to be like black representation among the cowboys. I remember there, seeing a headline yeah, I, about that. So there are a couple, there are a couple black uh, black cowboys. Yeah, but there's a lot of black cowboys in America. Like that, it, that was a historical thing in the history of cowboys. But also, they were working for white folks who right. were taking land away from natives, and it's like a whole. It's a lot of like using the margins to fight the margins, you know. Um, right. And I don't expect this game to get into that, but if it does. That'd be great, uh, or if they do well with it, um, I have I, I I doubt it because like so much of the core, so much of the core fantasy is uh, the wild. The West was wild once, and now like, that how is much going are they away. willing to deconstruct their own fantasy in a game right. that is indulging in that fantasy? That is a would require like a rhetorical leap that they have historically not uh, done in their previous games. Um, I think people really want that because. They want it because p- nobody makes games on this scale. And so a game on this scale with this production to, like, start dipping its... Even if they would be applauded for dipping their fucking toes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm so curious to see, like, it's, it's 2018. Like, you can't... I mean, you can. It's Rockstar. They you can, can do whatever they want. They absolutely um, can. And, and if they do, I won't be... Uh, or rather, don't. <laughs> I won't be surprised. Um, but I'm just, gen- like, genuinely curious to see where this game ends up landing thematically go ahead rob well i mean so this is like a story about the late frontier right because like you got little marsden running around so like even in the fiction this is in that period what we call like the closing of the west right which Mm -hmm. is also kind of where the rubber meets the road in terms of um was the final disposition of all the stolen land going to be right what are Mm -hmm. property arrangements going to be what are uh civil like race relations going to be in this new territory. And it turns out they're going to be fucking awful, if not worse. But this is where all this stuff is is getting locked in. Also, again, requires a deft hand and an ability to handle, like, sensitive and complicated topics, uh-huh. which not been rock stars. Like, that is a tough thing to do if your studio is known for broad, vaguely plagiarized satire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, honestly, like that, that is the thing is like, to what degree is this going to feel like an original story uh, inside of a, 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 a setting that we've seen to death, including in Red, Red Dead Redemption 1, which is itself an end of the West story. And the way that they talked about that was they see that as the, the final chapter in the book about the end of the West. And they see this as the opening of it, right? The beginning, that's the end of the end. This is the beginning of the end. This is the moment where people like John. John Marston, Arthur Morgan, and and the the gang realize that the end is coming versus Red Dead 1, which is like, the end is here. Um, And I'm, you know, curious about that, I guess. Um, But it is like, I will say that there is, it is hard to get pure buy-in on it because GTA 5 is such a mean-spirited game. It's just such, and it's a game that the world I fucking love. I love the the seeing people jog and and people bike and petting dogs and buying new clothes and I've spent lots of nights just kind of like wandering around the hills outside of uh, Los Santos with friends on online and like there is that is something and like I I imagine that you know I think that they do that better than than most people in the in the business but also it is a game that is filled with transphobia that has a uh, an, uh, a pretty explicit and also a pretty extraneous torture scene um, that is like 
terrible social commentary. Um, it is uh, filled with just a general meanness of spirit. It's constantly punching down. Um, it, it rarely knows which direction down and up even are. It's just um, punching. It's just punching nonstop. And, and when you're flailing, you're mostly hitting down is the problem because the people who are above you are well, well defended. Um, and so there is part of me that is like dreading this game because I mean, like cards on the table. I wrote a story a few years ago. I mentioned this last week. I think that like all I want from open world games is to be able to interact with them in ways that are not just violent sitting in a room with a PR agency that says one of the things, one of our big things this year is, uh, or not PR agency, they do in their internal PR people, um, but saying the biggest thing for us is we want you to be able to interact with the world in ways that are not violent is meaningful, but it's also like tempered by the history of the games in which violence can come in forms that aren't physical, right? Um, violence can be about the degrading of people or about the dehumanization of a group. Um, and so that stuff... I didn't see evidence of it here. I want to be clear. Like I didn't, I, I thankfully in my two hours there did not see anything that I felt like was punching down in general. I think that the writing was better than it's been in past rockstar games um, in a way that didn't just feel like it was plagiarized or, or, you know, kind of a knockoff version of popular film. Um, it, it felt sharp. The characters felt like they had the room to breathe because of the camp. There's a moment in the camp where I just walk over to Dutch, who's the leader, and and the kind of like the brains behind the gang, and and Arthur is like, "Hey Dutch, I ran into someone who recognized me from before, and uh, but don't worry." I, I, and Dutch is like, "Oh, that sounds no good." And I'm like, "Well, I, I took care of it." And he's like, "Yeah, okay, good, good." And then I'm like, "Anything else on your plate right now?" And he's like, "No, I'm good, Arthur." And there's just like real good dismissive tone in Dutch's voice, where he's just like, "Yeah, uh huh, go ahead, get get on with your day." And that little moment is something I would not have seen in a previous Rockstar game, and so that feels meaningful but also it's so hard to shake the weight of the past um and that's to say nothing of of the question of like you know there was that moment where i where i said i was talking with the, the comms people and they're saying the way that you get moments like jumping through the sheet pen that feels like you've invested in it is that you have to create tons of custom animation and custom assets you need that sheet pen to look like that sheet pen and not at all of the other sheet pen in the rest of the world you need a special animation for Arthur to kneel down and look at sheep, right? You need a special animation when someone gets kicked out of a bar or, or when you need a special musical cue when you find the, the corpse hanging from underneath the railroad track. You need something, you need all that stuff. And, I, you know, for me, it's like, well, okay, Rockstar, you have a, a history of people being, uh, let's say, skeptical at best of labor practices there and, and critical uh, at strongest, including the, the kind of classic Rockstar spouse stuff, right? Um, and it is so hard to look at all that and be like, there's so much of it here. How do you make a game like this? How do you do it in a way that's equitable? How do you do it in a way that keeps your people from burning out and from over crunching and for, you know, ruining their lives? And we, we, I very briefly brought that up in the conversation. They're not talking about those issues right now. We're going to look to figure out how to have that conversation later. So they're like open to that conversation, but this was a place to, to talk about the game. Um, but it is something that I'm hopeful we can talk about at the very least, because again, it's something that we have to hold companies like this to, to the fire to actually have an answer. Danielle. Super briefly on that note, yeah. I always wonder, I, there's always some part of me that wonders, uh, if, you know, devs are working on a game about like an exploited class, like Cowboys, Cowboys were so famously exploited, yes. you know, treated yes. pretty poorly, uh, across the board, obviously uh, more so 
obviously there was a lot of race issues there as well, like 100%. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, as a class, cowboys were never treated very well. And I always wonder if, you know, folks who are potentially workers in, you know, 2018 <laughs> who are being exploited, yeah. working on a game about an exploited class, and they're just kind of like, I feel you, Arthur. You know, I, I just always wonder about that sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I always wonder, you know, if I'm saying this out loud, if there are any devs out there sort of like shaking their heads like, yeah, that's If there are, let real. us know. Yeah. The, it, it seems like one of the big antagonists, I mean, I didn't see this character on screen, um, but there was uh, one of the early, the, one of the first missions is robbing a train that's owned by a, a uh, entrepreneur and robber baron um, who's sort of like a Hearst figure or like a, like a uh, Comstock from Deadwood, right? Uh, someone who's like bringing industry to the West and, you know, oh, who owns the guy who owns the mines. And, and they mention like, oh, yeah, this guy owns a bunch of stuff. This is his like one of his company towns that you'll run into. And my suspicion is he is going to end up being one of the major players here. Um, and that we'll start to see – we will see some conversation around – exploitation and class and stuff but i don't again it's like so hard to know how deep does that well go is it is it a splash of it because deadwood was dope uh or (laughs) is it or is it a commitment to exploring that stuff through characters um through you know you know that that your your camp is mostly white dudes but there are women there there are people of color there um and it's like does that stuff come up how does it come up does it feel naturalistic does it feel heavy-handed does it feel like foolish like does it feel undercooked we'll see all of those things are questions you have to have coming out of that demo on top of the labor question of just like how do you build something like this how does a place that has a history of labor accusations and allegations succeed at this without it being exploitative and i i my answer is i hope that they fucking did um i hope that they that they maintain you know keep everybody hired who they hired on i hope we're not going to see another string of layoffs the way it often happens after a big game release um and and i hope it's a conversation we can have with them soon because because i think it's important especially for our audience i think that's it no other questions about red dead the guns look good they they feel (laughs) there's a bow there's a bow the bow feels really good and sounds different than other video game bows is a note that i took it doesn't do like the same like it does like a it does like a different sound that feels unique and that was good yeah it was cool i think that's all i got on red dead redemption 2 let's <laughs> take a quick break and come back and talk more about a bunch of video games because there are a bunch of video games we'll be right back When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, we are back and still talking about big video games. Actually, let's take a quick break and talk about a little video game first. I mean, a little. I hear it's long. Uh, Life of Strange, Life, Life is Strange 2 had its first episode drop this week. 
I think Patrick's the only one who's played it. I think Danielle and I are itching to, but it's, haven't it's had the time yet. There you or go. It was down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah the first episode uh, came out. Uh, people aren't familiar. It's uh, it's set within the same universe um, mm. as uh, Max and Chloe in the uh, in the first game, um, and I guess the the spinoff before the storm, the prequel series that was handled by a different developer. Um, but it is it is not like uh, picking up from where their story ended. Um, uh, it's you know st- remains unclear what if any uh, interactions uh, there will be. Um, uh, in, in the series going forward, but it picks up with a brand new set of characters um, with uh, the a, uh, a, a Hispanic family in uh, Seattle, um, in which uh, they uh, there's two brothers, older brother who is like I don't know, like junior year high school. He runs track. Uh, there's a younger brother um, who uh, it's, it's kind of you know a little looks up to his older brother, a little reclusive. Um, very energetic, like very kind of stereotypical sort of like, you know, 10 year old sort of, uh, character and like this really like loving father. Like this is like a, a like a father who shows a lot of empathy and interest and and love for his kids. The, uh, uh, the mother is not in the picture. It's uh, unclear what the situation, uh, there is. Um, this series does have like a sign, like, oh, sort of at, at this point, like mounting evidence that, uh, they always take the, like, wives or significant others that are women out of the picture um yeah. that is like a through line like it's not just once say, like that's not just twice i think it's three times now um that they have done that especially if you include captain spirit um mm. so it's a little weird uh i'm just again not sure i have a lot to say about that as much as like that's like a strange coincidence that keeps happening over <laughs> and over trend, kind of yeah. stories uh, yeah it's definitely a trend um at this point and maybe I don't know, maybe she'll come in the picture later. I don't know. But, like, at least the premises for several of their stories start with um, that being uh, part of it. Um, but it's just really, like, interesting, lovely family unit that is out there kind of just uh, just scraping by, doing well. The father is an auto mechanic. Um, and the what's really interesting, like, broader picture about this game is that by, by picking characters like that... Um, it's set in contemporary, it's set in, you know, like roughly 2016, 2017. It is set within our world, our politics. Um, you have characters, you know, like the characters, you're playing the older brother. Um, like they have interactions with people in this world where uh, there, there is racism, there, uh, there is politics, there is illusion. There's not just illusion of politics, there's discussion of politics. There huh. is, um, you encounter racists and you have like, to. And not video game fantasy rate they're not like superpower racism they're like you're you're latino yeah i hate you for that you're yeah, like yeah jobs or whatever, like we're gonna right? build that wall like there are multiple Jesus. references to huh. like uh actionable rhetoric picked up from things out there uh in the world um and they're uh you know like one of the great things about the series is like you're constantly finding little things and like this life is strange is uh, a game that straddles the line i think very well of finding organic ways to incorporate uh exposition and and world building and character building both in things it puts in the environment that can be notes but it's often stuff that makes sense for what you would find in someone's room as opposed to being uh, extraneous just for the sake of being extraneous um Mm -hmm. you also have access to a cell phone the cell phone does a lot of heavy lifting um in the previous games and in this one where text message threads are like a great way for you to like build out character building stuff that would make sense in a text message exchange and wouldn't make sense anywhere else Mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of really good uh, stuff in, in here there um, and um, yeah it's just a, I, I found uh, it's tough because I don't want to really get into the character and story beats too much except to say that 
I found it to be like a very powerful episode. It is not a, uh, I think the Kotaku headline, I think the article was written by Gita. I haven't uh, writ, uh, read it yet because I was trying to avoid any spoilers about it. But, um, you know, the way she characterized it was like, this is a game that doesn't shy away from politics. And I think that is, I would echo that statement uh, thoroughly. This is a game that realizes with the characters that it's introducing that they're going to have interactions that are meaningfully different than other people in the world. And it doesn't do that. There's a moment where it does it in a little stereotypical villainy sort of way, but I would say the writing around it is strong enough that it doesn't, that that it comes across okay. But it's a, there's even a line where a character uh, says everything is political, like just says outright, um, like the kind of line that we, you know, put around uh, a lot here at Waypoint. Um, I just found it to be a very strong first entry in a, 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 I think five episode or four episode series that like, I'm not quite sure where it's going um, in, in an exciting way. It's a, uh, the pitch of it is that it's a road trip. You know, these, something happens that prompts them having to leave um, Seattle um, and go on the run on their own, the two brothers. Um, and there's some superpower stuff um, that is not clear at this point. Um, again, I don't, don't want to get So it's specifics. not like Life is Strange 1 in the sense of just like you're 20 minutes in and suddenly you have this new mechanic? There's... I would say 20 minutes in, it is clear there is something going okay. on, but okay. it doesn't become a mechanic. The game is not, uh, the gameplay structure is not built around, um, whereas in Life of Strange 1, like, the rewind mechanic, the traveling through time mechanic was, like, the, the basis of a lot of what you were doing in that world. That is definitely not uh, the case here. And it's a, and that's why it is, it is fairly long, almost three hours, I believe, for my playtime, and it is full of just so many quiet moments. There's so much, so many times where nothing is happening. They are just letting these two characters breathe and interact and have interactions that uh, just, it's it's a really wonderful character piece. Like, I, I really like these two characters. I, I want to see more of what they're going to do. Like, their their struggles are very believable. I think the writing, like I said before, is extremely strong. Um, and I, I would highly recommend it. I know people would like to see more of Max and Chloe, and I, I understand that. I, I would love to see what those characters are up to as well, but I think it is worth giving this game a shot um, because I think it starts off uh, really, really well. Cool. Danielle. Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of the previous game, all of them, you know, the ones with Max and Chloe and also Captain Spirit was pretty cool. And Rachel Amber and everybody. Mm -hmm. I just, I really do enjoy those games Uh, for the reasons you're saying, you know, they're really cool character pieces and they, I, they do quiet moments really well in a lot of cases. One thing I wanted to ask. uh, So, we're looking at like a teen boy here instead of a teen girl. And I'm kind of wondering if the writing sort of reflects that in any kind of meaningful way. Uh, I know a lot of people had like, you know, kind of wink and nod. Uh, Some of the writing, especially in the very early episodes of the the first game was like a little bit nineties teen sitcom. Like it was a little bit affected. Uh, You know, the, the classic go fuck your selfie being one of the, you know, I think one of the all time (laughs) great lines. uh, It's great in the context of like life is strange. Like it worked within like its tone and like it, it it wasn't uh, separate from the rest of the game's tone. Like it was very much like for some, it shouldn't have worked. And yet it worked for, (laughs) because life is strange shouldn't have worked and it worked. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just curious here if, you know, if there is like a marked difference in terms of, okay, this thing that was more centered on teen girls' lives versus, okay, this is this sounds like it's a little bit more centered on a teen boy's life. And I'm wondering if, like, does the writing reflect that in some particular way or the tone is a little different here because of that? Yeah, it definitely feels like they have learned a lot of lessons from Life is Strange. <laughs> I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't think it feels nearly as cheap. Like, if there is still an, el- like, a 
cheesy is the wrong word, but there there is still a little bit of that like sort of intangible feel to the writing that Life is Strange had. But I do think um, with this new series, like they have, uh, it doesn't feel nearly as you don't have moments that take you out of it. Like they they're the the the, the, the the opening hour or so, like, deals with preparation to go to, a, like, a weekend party. Um, and, like, the – it's cool up front. Like, the, uh, the the two characters are having an interaction early on is the older brother and his best friend, um, who's uh, an Asian woman. And, like, you would think off the bat – like, and they have, this, like, this really touchy-feely sort of relationship. It's like, oh, like – this game is clearly going to go for like, oh, they're like, they're friends. And like, will they, won't they? And like, you know, a very stereotypical arc for these two characters. And like very quickly, the game establishes up front. Like, no, they're just like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. And it's fine for just like these two people to be best friends. And like, yeah. they're not going to have sex. And if any, and actually like a lot of their interactions are like, he is kind of the lovable loser that can't talk to women. And she clearly has a lot of game. Um, and there are, the, the, the game, at least for my, for what I picked up, like, doesn't come down, like, very solidly on people's, like, sexual preference and, and stuff like that. It kind of leads a lot of that, like, very fluid and open to inter- interpretation. But she's clearly someone that can talk a good game and is, like, grabbing his cell phone and, like, sending, like, reshaping his text messages and, like, helping him, like, hook up, like, m- like, calls him to let him know, like, hey, make sure you put a condom in your bag. Like, and you have to, like, go fetch a condom from, like, your room, like, before Perfect. you go to the game, before the, the party. Um, and there's all little, like, really, like, really, really good uh, character setups like that that I found to be far more believable or uh, than, than, than like, like life is strange is believable often despite itself. Right. And this feels a lot more believable because of like what it's intentionally trying to do. Um, there may be uh, the, you know, I saw that like, uh, yes, uh, so Steve Gaynor and, and Carlos uh, Amandra from yeah, Full they, Bright are both on it. So disclosure, okay. they're friendly enough with them for me to say disclosure as well. They, say. Yeah. For, the way it was characterized on Twitter was like, they did punch up, which is not like yeah. they wrote the script. They came in and just sort of like, help them you know punch up usually means like you're coming through to like clean up lines and like make them sound a little sharper Mm -hmm. um and uh so i would say like does this game like feel gone homey like apps absolutely um and uh, i I feel like the the writing reflects that i think it's gonna if you if you were turned off by some of the characterization or tone of life is strange i feel like this one although it keeps a lot of the stuff that i liked i think it finds a better way to land between some different worlds in a way that uh, i think some folks if they kind of bounced off the first one, may find themselves having a, a better way into into this one. Cool. Awesome. I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah I'm super psyched to hear what, uh, what you think about it. I think it's a yeah. really strong I'm so excited episode. to play it. Uh, I've been playing something else instead for the last 20 hours. Not of my <laughs> life, but I'm about 20 hours in to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But Rob, I'm, I'm actually a little more curious about to hear what you think about it because... We both played Origins. I think you, you kind of fell for Origins a little harder than I did. Was, is that fair characterization? Uh, very fair. Do, yeah. Can you can you explain, like, what stuck out? What what really... Well, I don't know. It's it's a strange thing. Like, Origins, I've been... I've been, I'd been sort of away from the Assassin's Creed series for a little bit. So, to a degree, I was probably primed to fall for an Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Like, you take a few years off of a, good, of a solid series... And you come back to it, like chances are, like a lot of stuff that maybe got, was tired back back then, uh, you're ready to you're ready to play around with again. But I think the big thing for me in Origins, um, for one thing, you can't I can't overestimate or or overstate uh, 
the effect of Obubakar Salim's uh, performance as Bayek. Like, mm-hmm. it was a great performance. It was a great characterization. But I think it was also one that dovetailed with the overall ethos of that story. The way my partner described it is Origins was a game of aggressive humanity that everywhere you went, you were surrounded by evidence of people living their lives and that all lives had value. Like there were no great lives. There were no small lives. There were just people living their lives. And I think that was kind of a thing that informed just about every frame of Assassin's Creed uh, origins. Like, I've got a folder of AC photo mode shots that I took uh, set to be my screensaver, basically, if I leave my computer for a little bit. Nice. And I'm struck with how many of them are just pictures of people going about their routines, right? You know, people gilding statues, uh, people making beer, people working in the fields. And there was something really great about inhabiting that world because the longer you spent with it, the more you started to feel like, shit, I do belong in this world. Bayek belongs in this world. He relates to this world. Like these are all, you know, this is the, um, the hopeful side of the end of seven, right? The world is worth fighting for. Um, it's worth fighting for all of this. And that's kind of what I, what I fell for. It was a gorgeous game as well, but I think it was really like a, an issue of tone and like portrayal of the world that, that I fell for with Origins. I've played Origins a lot. I would say I'm still not quite done with Origins. Like, there's new content released. Like, so I've been playing Origins off and on for about a year. So for me, I've basically gone straight from Origins into Odyssey. And I think Odyssey is suffering a little bit for that com- from that comparison. And <laughs> there are all these moments where... And it's not just me. Like, my partner's, like, watching me uh, play a good portion of it. Like, she's noticing it, too. So I don't, it's not just in my head. There's like a qualitative difference between this and uh, between Origins and Odyssey that I'm having trouble putting my finger on, but is definitely making me like instantaneously nostalgic for Origins. And I'm trying to parse whether that's just like the suspicion of the new, right? Like, where's my good thing? The thing I liked. Give me more of that versus like an actual like critique. I'm having some of that too, Rob. And it is, I, I am far enough in now where I should be able to say if I like this game or not. Um, but I'm finding myself frustrated and missing a lot of what I liked about Origins. I didn't complete Origins. I think I put 30, 35 hours into it or something like that, um, which is a lot. These are big games. These are huge games. They're games that if they were 30 hours long instead of 20, instead of you know 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 or whatever 90 Origins was, I probably, they would have been in my top lists both years um, because I can fit a 30 or 40 hour game in my life right now if I hustle. Um, I can't do that Assassin with a 90 hour game. Assassin Big. Assassin Big. Um, that's the, that's the episode title. Assassin Big. Um, the things you're talking about, the feeling, the, the placeness, the thereness that is so communicated by people going about their daily routines, um, which we, we just talked about with Red Dead, uh, being able to interact with daily routines, um, is not absent here, but it is minimized. I, I, in the 21 hours I've played, I've certainly noticed the occasional person who's picking dates out of a tree or, you know, kind of shaking the tree branches to drop dates uh, or someone who's <clears throat> making clay pots or, you know, the, the, I think my favorite one was definitely stumbling into a red clay pit where people were, were kind of digging up the clay and, and making bricks, like brick, brick makers. Um, but those are so much fewer and further between 
and in place of it is wolves and lions and bandits and Origins had its fair share of animals and bandits to fight too, a hundred percent. But uh, Rob, you messaged me this weekend, and we're like, I can't get a fucking moment of peace in this game. Like, you cannot stand still without someone wanting to start some shit with you. Yeah, this is the most. Like, it, it dawned on me that this weekend while I was playing it, like, this feels like the Assassin's Creed, where Assassin's Creed and Far Cry are starting to converge at like an alarming rate. Yeah, I had yeah. this. Um, like I, I had the traditional like I ran into a base and for whatever reason this like Athenian military base had a fucking bear in it in a cage and like yeah so you literally d- Far Cry model yeah, yeah. literally like <laughs> go set this bear loose and watch it wreak havoc which is funny but again like no seriously though why is this bear here like what's like what's it Athenians didn't keep bears is that not a thing Rob not like, why bear I know quite a bit about this period and um <laughs> can't say there were a lot of engagements or operations where like bears played a huge part uh like the Sicilian expedition got weird but I don't think it got like bears weird <laughs> uh but in addition to that though I think the thing that really started to I don't know it, it was this weird like it kind of bumped me out I was in this forest and I came across this bandit camp and first of all, there's bandit camps everywhere, so I just stumble across this bandit camp. There are thousands of them. Yeah, yeah. and so like I'm on my horse. Thousands is maybe maybe strong, but it's at least hundreds. hundreds in this it game. feels like hundreds. At least uh, there's the like there's the field ba- bandit camp. There's the lakeside bandit camp. There's the cave <laughs> bandit camp. They're all next to each other. Uh, they yeah, probably just pillage each other. That's like probably, probably a weird little economy. Which good for them. They, they have their own. Yeah, they have their own economy. This game does have uh, an economic <laughs> argument it makes, which which I do enjoy, uh, but. <laughs> Um, so I stumble across this bandit camp and immediately, you know, like some, one of them hits me and knocks me off my horse and I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll fight these fucking bandits. And as we're like sort of circling around each other, um, wolves start showing up and attacking the bandits and I kill the bandits and now they're just, there's so many wolves. They just keep coming from, and not near a lair, by the way. Like there's no, like we aren't like near. There's no alpha wolf. No, it's just environmental wolves. Just the hills are alive with fucking wolves. Yeah. And that's kind of how everything in this world feels. Like, everywhere you go, someone's going to mess with you. And you're going to have to kill it, by the way. Like, AC Origins, right. I could largely avoid. Because I didn't... Killing a wolf in Assassin's Creed feels shitty. They make little sad dog noises. I don't do like it. I'm not... Noises. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, yes, I'll kill those... You know, I'll kill those uh, Imperialist Athenian dogs. No problem. Oh, okay. But, like, you know, Fido... Come on, like the dog. Come on. Does the dog die? Um, so I don't. But the, the thing is, this game is like the answer is yes in this movie in this game. Yeah, the dog dies and this, over and over and over again. This game is like you have to kill it. Like every animal, pretty much. Like they all want to kill you, so you got to kill them first. I've been fought by chickens. I've been fought what? by chickens. By turtles, not turtle. Wait, uh, were you hitting them with the turtle. sword, Austin? No, no, no. The chicken. Uh, aggroed on me i think because i i by mistake hit like a dude like a regular pe- like a like a peasant population unit and so all of the other population units in that class turned on me including the chicken so i killed that chicken like that chicken didn't stand a fucking chance i'm a mystios which means a mercenary which actually speaks to one of my other not issues with the game but something else that doesn't quite sit right with me um in terms of my enjoyment compared to origins which is in origins you were a, a medje right is that what it was yeah. called which is like a, a, a fictionalized wandering super cop slash kind of like you're kind of like a restorative justice policeman. You're kind of like a you come to a place, 
You see who needs to be taken care of. You figure out what the local problems are. You help people get to the bottom of it. And uh, and you go on your way. You know, you, you help someone. The story, the one that I come back to again and again and again because it's early and, and pretty memorable is that uh, because of the war, some people have been killed, and this guy wants to bury his family, but he can't because he's lost the, the book of, of, the, of the dead, the book of funeral rites that, that he needs to do the burial. And so you, he tells you this while you're helping him move grain around, which is important, and then you go and do it, and you go and you recover the book, and then you help him bury the dead. And stories like that happen again and again, and they're all very, they are, they are custom content. They are very much like, dialogue with characters who have who have uh um a place in the world they often are referencing what their role is whether that's their job or their social role or their familial role and you get to learn about what culture is like by that and those characters seem like they've been invested in in terms of time and place and and uh resources in terms of writing and acting here you're playing a mystios which means a mercenary basically you're a sellsword and so you are still helping people but it's much more the like, yeah, this guard stole my good sword. Can you go get me back my good sword and kill that fucking guard? Um, and you do occasionally get the like, oh, I need grapes for a party. But those come from characters who are named things like woman or philosopher. And they you get them from a job board that has countless jobs and contracts and and. I don't know that they're proc gen, but they feel they proc feel gen. They time feel quests right and left. There, there are timed quests. There are MMO style, like you have 24 hours to complete this quest style things. Um, and most of those are like, go kill eight Athenians or, or, or nine Spartans. Go sink five Spartan ships. But sometimes they're just like, yes, I need a wreath for my celebration. Can you deliver this wreath to my, to my maid so she can put it on the door for the celebration? And it's not, those aren't characters. And they're, they're very clearly not given the same love and affection that those types of, of story missions were in Origins. It's not a, it's not a priority for, for this game in the same way. Um, and, and that means that playing as a mercenary, instead your key story missions are things mercenaries would do. Um, and that, that none of that stuff, none of the writing has stood out to me really. I think Cassandra, I'm playing as Cassandra. You get to pick between Alexios and Cassandra, a brother and a sister. Um, I'm playing as Cassandra. I think her performances are pretty solid. I think I, I love her design. I think that she's rad, but I think that the world around her cannot keep up. For the most part, there are a couple of characters who I think have been really well written. I've met Socrates at this point, and they've done a really good job of making him annoying as shit in a way that I think is desirable. Like, he is just, he is the fucking horsefly. Like, he he tries to talk you in circles and never say the right thing. Right, totally, 100%. And that's, like, good job. Like, you've captured who this guy supposedly was, right? Like, the actual annoying side of it. Um, And that's, and and I think beyond all that, it's... Ten doses of hemlock. Sadly, yeah. sadly, not yet. That's One day coming. I'll be there for him. Uh, right. Probably. He, he shows up and does... I mean, that speaks to another thing, which is like... There are a lot of... I have a lot... Oh, there are some vestigial systems in this game that feel like they are attached to... I think what I said this morning to you, Rob, was like, I can feel the whiteboards. I can feel all of the new ideas being written down in marker, none of which feel fully implemented. Um... The uh, maybe the one that does is there's new itemization. You know, Assassin's Creed Origins gave you weapons that you could choose from, and it had like a Diablo style, like you're leveling up and getting different rarity of weapons and stuff. This has that for your entire armor, or like your your headpiece, your chest. Your it's just like it's an RPG in that sense, but it also has all these other systems that don't work well. Um, so for instance, 
and also delivers these over the course of 20 hours. Like, it slowly unlocks new things. I think maybe over the first 15 hours, you're unlocking new menus and shit. For instance, there was a bounty system in this game. There was a bounty system in the last game where if you do bad things, you get, like, a Rockstar-style wanted level. Um, and when you get a wanted level, you get chased after by, by mercenaries. Um, and in this case, they're trying to do a Shadow of Mordor thing where the mercenaries have names and backstory, like a little paragraph of backstory. Um, and they're not proc gen. These are, there's just 50 of them in the world or whatever. Um, and you fight them all. And when they show up, you can go into the menu to see what their weakness and strength are. And they, those things repeat, but there's no character. There's no arrival the way that in Shadow of Mordor an orc arrives and it beats its chest and it says that I'm, you know, Mukgog, the, the firekeeper, and I have the flame of Sauron or whatever. It's just a dude who shows up who has a spear and takes reduced damage from arrows. And so you kill them and then another one comes later and you kill that one. And then you go up, a, you go up the list of mercenaries and that system feels half-baked. It's like, I'm supposed to care that I'm killing... Like, whoever, like, Theo the the Spearman or whatever, uh, like, I don't care about Theo the Spearman. There's no reason for me to care about killing Theo the Spearman. Um, and there's also another system, the, the games, like, about ten hours in, you learn that there's a, a group you're investigating, much like in Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm going to avoid spoilers as best as possible here. Um, you learn that there's a, a group that you're investigating, and you get a big chart of every member in the group, and a lot of them are wearing masks, and you have to figure out who they are by solving these clues that are that you're given. There are things like, oh yeah, this person's rumored to have a you know to have ties to a, a shipping company or something, and so you go to the place where you know in in such and such a place, and so you go there and you do some side missions, and along the way you learn blah 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 this person is is actually this person they get added to your map and then you go assassinate them this grouping the way this this cult system works is that there's like seven wings of it and you're supposed to go through each wing and kill all the people in it and then there's like a leader to the wing and last night i was stuck on the one person i needed to unlock the leader of that wing for three hours because the clue was just yeah this person owns uh a quarry and owns slaves in attica which is the the thinian like um region the region that athens is in and i genuinely spent four hours trying to find where the fuck this clue was in the process oh, i found God. other clues i killed many uh, other i met, killed like two or three other cult leaders uh and the, the clue was just help people near the quarries and where the slaves are in in near athens or ne specifically near those places and like i've been to all of them somehow this region has three quarries uh and what ended up happening was I needed to advance a different side plot until one of the side plots happened to show up near the quarry. And in that side mission, I met the dude and got to kill him. And it's like, there's no way for me to know that the system is supposed to be about exploration and finding this stuff. So I kill him finally. And they find like, Ooh, you've unmasked the leader of this wing of the, of the cult. And I'm like, awesome. Cool. It's going to be like a cool mission where I, I go and I confront this person. I learn more about the cult's history and what, what's really going on in the big story. And I kill her on a bench. She's sitting on a bench, and I kill her on a bench, and I get some loot. And that's it. Hmm. And it's like, what was the system supposed to be? Like, why is this here? Like, I, I'm just, I, I wanted to finish it so I understood what the full big part, like the big loop of the game was. I knew what all the little loops were, but I was hoping that was going to be building to a confrontation with someone I cared about. I can't even tell you her fucking name, right? Like, and she's supposed to be the leader, one of the leaders of this group this whole game is about confronting. And that sort of surface level application of, of ideas, of design, is rampant throughout the game for me. And it's just like, 
There are things I love. I think it's a beautiful game. I don't think it's as good looking. It's not as striking as Origins. Um, is that fair to say, Rob? Or is it, are you feeling the same way about it? I am. To me, it feels like Origins has not only really detailed assets and a really like richly detailed world, but like an aesthetic perspective on everything in that world. Right. Odyssey feels like it's lacking that just a little bit. Or if it does have it... It's not one right. that resonates so much with me that like I can identify what it is trying to communicate about its world. Right. Or if it's there also, it, it maybe it's an hour 30, and this is the thing with like a 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 hour game is I'm seeing screenshots of places that I think look beautiful come out today from people who are reviewing this game. Um, I did not have time to put 70 hours in this game in the last week. Uh I, I would love to know if there are places that are super striking like that. I would love to have seen them in the first 21 hours to where I could be confident and say like, wow, there's some cool stuff here. But mostly it's murky. Mostly it looks like a pretty good MMO. Um, so, and that's, that's unfair to pretty good MMOs. Yeah, that's so frustrating. I mean, I mean, this is just a general frustration, but man, games, even if you're real yeah. big, even if, even if Assassin big, you gotta assassin show big. the assassin good stuff. That's all I'm pretty, saying. Pretty close to the front, or you gotta show. You gotta give me the tease of it. It's gonna fall off. Um, and I also just think that there is like it has two speeds. It has the speed of all of the wolves in the world are attacking you at once, and it also has the other speed, which is there's no such thing as friction in this game. There's no such thing as pushback in this game. You're like on a horse and riding past it, uh, an oak tree. Hit triangle to grab the oak tree and add five wood to your to your. Uh, inventory um the the there's no fall damage or there's fall damage but from the very beginning of the game you cannot die from falling anymore which is like such an important like rhetorical change to the nature of what these games are um which is not a it's not even me saying it's good or bad but it is like you just jump off a fucking cliff and fall for 150 feet and hit the ground and you're going to get back up and be fine. You'll have, you'll have low health for seven seconds, but it'll all recover. Eventually, you take no damage at all from falling. Um, and that's speaking to a sort of like mythological epic tone the game wants to set. But I'm 20 hours in, 21 hours in, and I haven't seen any of the kind of mythological stuff that some of the preview coverage had in terms of like there's like in one of the previews, there's a mythological creature that someone fights. I haven't seen any of that stuff 21 hours in. Um, and so there's just this really discordant tone there. Um, very few things can, again, there's like, a, it's either a brick wall of wolves or of something being one level too high for you to assassinate in one hit. This um, is the other weird thing is like, so ACO, there were some cri uh, criticisms. Like if you want to hear somebody like wring their hands about it, like Vinny on Giant Bomb was like really uh -huh. skeptical of like, this is not AC. You're moving it in this RPG direction. And I think ACO did a good job of like, yeah, it's RPG-ish. It still feels mm -hmm. largely like an AC where it's like, you want to stealth kill somebody, you can, in most cases, kill stealth kill somebody. Yeah. Like, unless they're super out of your level, in which case you're in the wrong area, but, like, chances are you get the drop on somebody, you can either snipe them with that predator bow or jump on them and, you know, shiv them in the neck. You know, done. This is the game that I think, like, yeah. Vinny was afraid of. Like, when I when I heard him yep. making those criticisms, I played Origins, and I was like, hey, you're you're being too much out of this. You're being a purist, <laughs> right? And now I'm playing this, and I'm like, oh, this is, uh, this is I think, what maybe people were a little afraid of, where, like, suddenly, yeah. everyone's got a fucking number over them. And that number is super deterministic about, like, what can actually happen yep. 
in terms of like gameplay interactions. It's weird. And I'm not talking about level 30 being impossible to kill when you're level 20. If you're level 20 and you're fighting like a captain that's level 20, there's a chance that your assassination will not kill him. Like your actual jump in attack with your blade will not get the kill. And if someone's 21, definitely not. Full stop. And it does that because I think this game really thinks it's combat fucking owns. Like it does. It's like ah, uh, isn't it great? You you like plummet six stories down on top of this captain with your knife and you stab him in the neck, and then he's like the fuck, and turns around and like just starts wrecking you, and then he's like, hey guys, let's kill this fucking assassin, this, yeah, and like yeah. then fifty fucking like Greeks yeah. come pouring in in armor and there's archers, and suddenly it's like well now it's. Now it's Dynasty Warriors. And there's even explicit, like... Uh, I mean, there, there are explicit Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. Right, again, speaking about systems, we haven't even talked about the fucking weird war system that's in this game, where you're supposed to be like... We talked about this during E3, where you, when you arrive at a place, it's either owned by Sparta or Athens, and you can weaken the hold of the... the comp- or the, the I said company, Jesus. The cyberpunk future of Athens versus Sparta. Yeah, the whichever of these of these two uh, nations has control of it, you can weaken it by, like, burning their granaries or... or or, you know, assassinating their leaders or whatever, and eventually you can make a confrontation happen. And at that point, you can decide whether to defend it for the person who owns it or attack it for the other side and flip it. And I don't know why I would ever do any of that shit. It's never made clear 21 hours in why I should engage in that system at all. The rewards aren't that good. And also, narratively speaking, why the fuck am I trying to spin this war for one side or the other? I don't know. And it and and it it all ends in a big fake dynasty warriors fight where it's just like here are seventy people on a beach in a in the same like total war uh, attack animation loops. And you you'll it's just rough, have rough. to you'll you'll just spam attacks through that fight like and like it's yeah. a very early dynasty warriors game is how it feels just you could yes. carve through people you pull aggro because you fucking Sparta kick everybody uh like everybody. just everybody you just walk up to them and they go like. Flying through like five other people who all pull aggro on you, and now you've got to yeah. Sparta kick five people. Uh, but don't it's worry great. if they'll attack you and parry them all at once. It's awesome. Uh, that's true. You do. This parry strikes me as like a really strange uh, because these games are made by different teams, right? Like Odyssey was made concurrent with Origins, and so right. What Odyssey can't do fundamentally, structurally, how it was conceived was specifically build on yeah. the response to Origins, right? So you have to, the game has to guess. Like, you can see the arc of what Ubisoft is building towards, right? Like, is like, get infusing, I mean, you know, for lack of a, a better comparison, turning uh, Assassin's Creed into The Witcher, right? Like, you can see them uh, witchering a lot of uh, this game, like, with the RPG elements, the way that uh, The Witcher series, like, pretty seamlessly and, and effectively blends that stuff together. But... This isn't like a sequel. To, it, it is a sequel to Origins, but it is not a sequel to Origins, right? It makes yeah. some some uh, some guesswork on like what they think people are going to respond to and what they're going to build off of. But it's not, hey, this is what people loved about Origins. Let's go make another one of those that takes that stuff and makes that stuff better and better integrates that into the world. So between that and then different teams with different expertises, different value structures, yeah. different intent, you end up with a game that feels like so discordant with origins which felt like for a lot of people a reinvigoration of a franchise that probably should have gone dark for like five years and then yeah. come back with a you know a, a reboot where they just call it assassin's creed and yet they found a way to successfully kind of like navigate that with keeping some of the old stuff bringing in new stuff like me who took a couple games off really really liked origins i'm still like interested to try odyssey to see how i respond to it but i think part of what we're seeing here 
is a structural flaw in how Ubisoft builds games. In yep. that um, part of it, what you guys don't seem to like about the game is built in, is like the values of the game, what it decided to build into the game. And had this been truly a sequel to Origins that came to two and a half years later, which I'm sure that's that team is building whatever that is now, right? That's what they've been doing for a year concurrent with the season pass. Um, but they've already said, that, you know, that game's not coming out. Uh, next year that's coming probably coming out the year after that um it's just a weird time for the franchise because the way they build is is you have a sequel being built by a different team before the the audience can tell you what they liked about that first one yeah totally it's it's frustrating in some ways because i mean it's frustrating in a lot of ways because i think there are some smart things here um i actually think maybe the one way in which it does something like the witcher uh, in the right way is in its leveling up, like in its ability tree. It's the first time I've played an RPG in a while, maybe since the Witcher where I genuinely feel like I'm making a build for my character in a, in a big triple a RPG that is right. Um, I, you know, I'm mainly going assassin with a ver with, with like a little bit of combat. There's like three trees. It's hunter combat and assassin or something like that. Right. And so I'm all, I'm going a lot of assassin cause I just want to kill people like an assassin. But does, does Cassandra. Like one... No, she wants to be a, a Spartan, right? She wants to be combat in, in story. Right. And like that, no point is she like, I think it's a good idea to stab people while they're sleeping. But Austin <laughs> thinks that. And so I want to, there, you know, there isn't, and but there is a success, and so I'm getting better at it. I have all my point, a lot of points into that stuff. There's a, a few points in the combat, and like a couple things in in Hunter, and I do feel like I'm playing a character. It's the first time I played a Ubisoft game specifically in a while where I felt the the absence of other choices I could have made. Where I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I should have had that Spartan kick earlier. I could have knocked this guy off the fucking cliff. Uh, I should have put more points into armor. Oh, I, uh, there's a big one early on that you can get that's like. You get bow abilities, and those abilities use your arrows. But there's a there's a bow ability you can get that's like when you use the ability version, it doesn't cost any fucking arrows. And it's like mm-hmm. I wish I had that because I could just like pelt this guy. Um, and that stuff all works well enough. That stuff but, yeah. I do kind of like. I'm I'm not totally sold on it. Like I did kind of like I I had internalized the logic of origins. Like you swap between weapons in your quick in your quick draw yeah. slots. Um, but it was a little cumbersome that like, oh, your predator bow has like five arrows and you have five predator shots and then you go to find more arrows. This is kind of cool because you can swap in and out what you have. So it's all controlled through your face buttons, basically on your controller. Um, and so like if you're in melee mode, you hold like the left shoulder and then your X, Y, uh, BA buttons or the PlayStation equivalents are all going to trigger a different power. And you can swap yeah. what's in the slots in and out. And what that solves a little bit, it does create that sort of specking issue, um, which is which is good. It creates that spec that, that feel of like having a build that you, that you're deploying. Um, it also I think solves a problem that AC games and particularly Origins could sometimes fall into, which is um, a little bit the Spider-Man problem as well. When yeah. there's so many fucking contextual controls all daisy chained on top of a sim- simple like control scheme, keeping all of that like hierarchy of controls in mind and like how context shifts shifts them that can like break your brain um 
and, or lead you to just use the same yeah, couple of useful it. things over so and over. So there's specifically an ability I got three or four hours ago. Finally, it's high up the combat tree. It's hitting right trigger and right button RB at the same time. I'm playing on Xbox uh, to do a super move with whatever weapon you have. And it's um, it's just like it takes a lot of health away from your enemy. It takes like three of your adrenaline bars, um, but it does a ton of damage and makes you invulnerable and heals you. And having... That has that's become my web blossom or whatever from Spider Man, where I'm just like, yeah, this is the one that wins the fight. I'm just gonna use this again and again and again. Five hours ago, before I had that, I was being like really tactical with like, okay, what am I gonna use my bull charge? When am I gonna use the kick? When am I gonna try to disarm? Like, no, now I'm just hitting RTRB, get that guy killed, fuck him, you know. And that is, um, it's a bummer because that's exactly what it is. It's 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 either be be overwhelmed by the amount of choices or do the easy kill. I don't know. It's I'm gonna keep playing it, which says something, you know. Uh, I, 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 have, I have a quick no. question. I know yeah. we've gone uh, long at this point, but uh, one of the uh, things that I know that we were struck by when that game was uh, properly unveiled at E3 was like that it wasn't gonna. And when Rob uh, uh, played it out uh, at, at E3, was that oh, like like sex is going to be a thing, and like choice on sex is going to be a thing. Like for both of you, like what has been your experience with that so far? Like what are your options? Like. How important is or isn't sex as it, as it plays into the story or like the character moments? I've go ahead, Rob. <laughs> you know how like in like RPG campaigns when somebody introduced like a sexual element but hadn't really thought through like how it would all go, it inevitably just became comical and horny as hell. That's I yeah. kind of feel where Odyssey has ended up. Like you can you can sleep with a whole bunch of people, but. A relationship, I have yet to find the person where, like, ah, this is, you know, th- this is your Garrus for this game. I don't think this game's going to deal in Garruses. This game deals in, like, you've got a, you, you've got a henchman in every port that you can sleep with, basically, is how it feels. Basically. All right. Yeah, it feels a little bit like uh, Old Republic, the MMO, where, like, there are just, oh, this is your major NPC here who maybe you can have, you can hit the, the heart button on That's six times. Some of these people are just the worst. Just so many of these yeah. people are just oh, Some of them no. are terrible. Many of them are terrible. Odessa. Um, Jesus. Get in the fucking Odessa. sea. Odessa. Did you sleep with Odessa? No. I like, I was like, I should try Wait, out this new Odessa system. Do? I couldn't. She's just shitty. She's just, she's just, you, how many times have you met her? Because she does pop back up. Yeah, I met, like, I did a whole quest chain with her. I'm okay. Done, like, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there are a bunch of characters you can sleep with. I've only, I only just had the first dude I could sleep with pop up in Athens. Um, before this, everyone who Cassandra could sleep with has been women. Um, Odessa is one of them, and she's kind of shitty. If you finish her quest, she'll join your, your crew, because another system I didn't fucking mention in this fucking game is it's Metal Gear Solid Five or or Peace Walker. You, your bird can scan anyone in the game, any enemy in the game, and you can recruit them to your crew. Um, okay. And they give you your boat, like, bonuses. And uh, anyway, I are you like assigning her. them to go do like brotherhood style? No. Like, hey, go on a mission. There are passive okay. bonuses that add to uh-huh. your ships, like arrow damage. But they'll be on or, your or ship. You'll damage. see them as like they will be on your where ship. Where your usual and you can, soldiers are. Yes, and there's an assassin ability that lets you call one of them in as a distraction. So like, they're there, but they're not characters. You're never talking to them again. You're never like having an interaction with them. Even the ones like Heart, like Odessa, who you could like sleep with. 
once you do that cutscene of like, hey, you could join my crew, she's out of the game as far as I know. Um, uh, I've slept with a couple other people. There's a character in Athens who I'm very torn about, who is a queer man, uh, who's a student, uh, who's historically really a student of, of Socrates. Um, he is, he is in fact one of the people who, one of the, one of the people who the prosecution against Socrates uses as an example of how he's corrupted the youth. Um, and this game is taking the Socrates' defensive side and saying, no, that, that boy was always corrupt. That boy was always a party boy. Uh, that is very much what that game is, how the game is framing him. But, like, he shows up, and he is um, uh, he's wearing just a loincloth. He's very thin. He has, like, long gray-blonde hair. And he's, like, playful and partying. You're at a symposium. You're at a party. Um, and, and is very horny. And you can flirt with him immediately and set up a situation. And you go to set up the situation. You go to the door where he is. Uh, you open his door, you step towards the door, and you immediately start hearing goat sounds. Uh, this is the first queer man in this game. And, like, the door opens and a goat walks out. And there are other people in there, and everyone's having a good time. But, like, oh, was he fucking that goat? And then there's a second goat joke at the end of that cutscene. Also, there's no sex on screen. There's lots of, like, pull the curtain. Ah, uh, right. I'm super horny, says the old woman, and you go on a quest to, like, get her husband some, ancient like, Greek, ancient Greek Viagra. And then he's like, oh, I don't, even with this Viagra, I don't know what I can do. And then you can be like, well, I'll fuck you instead. I'm, I'd love to do that. And then nope. she's like, uh-huh. awesome. And then it's like, fade to black, fade back up. And Cassandra's like, wow, that was fun. And then it's the end <laughs> of that quest line. Like, it's not, huh. none of that is done well. It is, yeah. it is a lot of, like, you know, check the perfunctory. box. Yeah, totally. Um, I would love for there to be a human connection in this game because <laughs> there are occasionally some characters who I think are pretty solid, but there have been a lot that have been just like all of the romance so far is super, like you said, perfunctory. It is, it is very much. I, like, guess, I guess I'm kind of shocked that it would makes it would make sense for her to look like you know you want to go around just fucking everyone. You know, you go do for you. it. But the the fact that that's included without the option for something more meaningful just seems like, well, why implement it in the first, unless like built, unless like part of the narrative structure of these characters, like, you know, like the arc of the character is like, oh, like they don't know how to form meaningful, like, you know what I mean? Right, like right. that was reflective of like who horny. these characters were. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. Like, you know, be horny, but it's sort of strange that there's not something else where you can yeah. meet someone or there are like characters being set up for like, oh, like you want to do like this is if you choose to be with them, there will be an actual arc to the relationship beyond just like finishing a quest line. Rob, you seem no, just concerned. That just ties into like so much of this game feels like. Again, you can see the whiteboard. This is a new part yeah. of this game that hasn't been fully integrated with like, the game exists. Relationships exist. They do, they are not wrapped around each other. They don't really like engage with each other. They do not inform each other, uh, and so like. They're doing the same thing. This that critique, I think, can be applied broadly to a lot of their dialogue system. A lot of their conversation yep. flow isn't very good. There are branching choices where, like, you will do, make a decision, and it will have ramifications later in the story. But they haven't really figured out how to make the line reads flow seamlessly into the scene that, like, there's the part of the scene you're always going to get, and then there's the part of the scene that you're going to get depending on what decisions you made earlier in the game, and the line reads just don't match up. You will have characters basically right. make 90 degree turns in a in the middle of a conversation. Like early in the game, you make a choice about what to do with this like plague afflicted village 
uh, on your home island. Yes. Later in the game, you're hanging out with the captain of your ship, uh, Barnabas. Uh-huh. And you're having a nice moment. He's like, you know, talking about, you know, basically you're sort of like comparing notes. He's sort of the end of his run. You're at the start of yours. You know, two, you know, you're two mercenaries, basically. Two people who are like, you know, living an itinerant life. And it's a cool little moment and what they wanted a life. And then he's like, oh, and I forgot there's one more thing. There's a plague in your village. <laughs> Holy shit. Everyone's fucking uh-huh. dying. It's the worst thing. You could like the guy goes yep. full Doc Brown, like on a dime. And then he's like, anyway, I'll be uh, at the back of the ship if you need me. <laughs> Can I tell you the worst thing about this? Well, I'm gonna and this is a light spoiler. I wind up in Athens and I meet another character who had previously been on that home island where I also spread the plague by mistake. There's a choice you can make, which is like help people or hurt people that could tie into a, a plague. Um, I meet a character who's like the same thing. Uh, that character is like, da, 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 da. Oh, and also the plague. It's, there's the plague there. If you get a chance, you should go back. And so I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll go back and look at the map. I'm like, oh, wow, it's level 18 now. I'm level 20. This place used to be level one. Maybe there's all new content there. And I go back and I, I land at the port and I look around and there's like bodies on fire and people are burning bodies and there's corpses. And that is it. That is it. There's no new quests. There's no NPC who references the plague. Nothing. There is nothing there. I don't know why I just went you, back because there is nothing. Basically. I guess, but no, because I leave that one little area of the port and everyone's fine. Everyone's just going about their day. The woman I gave the magic spear to is still in the exact same spot I left her in, looking at a statue for 24 hours a day. Like, everyone <laughs> else is fine. There's nothing has changed about this island except the level the, the level requirement to be on it. Um, and, and like that's the sort of thing. This is the sort of stuff where I'm like, I really want the version of this game that comes out after Red Dead Redemption 2, right? Like, this is why that stuff that I talked about at the top of the podcast matters to me a little bit um, in in terms of the design uh, priorities. I just dropped a a video in the chat that I took last night of when I finally killed that last cultist, or the second-to-last cultist that I was looking for. You'll see I stab him, he falls to the ground, and then Socrates walks by and says, uh, if a farmer steals a fruit today but gives some of his crop to the poor tomorrow, who may decide if he is good, hmm? And, like, no recognition of the fact that I just stabbed this dude in front of, like, literally right field in front of him. Socrates back. It's unbelievable. There's oh no... My God. This game does not mesh in that way. And it's why, if I have excitement for Red Dead 2, it's because I know from the jump what they said was, what we want is all of these narrative threads to mesh together. We want all of these things to feel like one story, not a bunch of discrete systems that are all taking place in the same software program. And we'll see. Like, with Red Dead, we'll fucking see. But with Assassin's Creed Odyssey... What I'm doing at this point is, like, it feels okay to climb stuff still. And, I, I, you know, um, sometimes I shouldn't be playing Forza Horizon 4, which is a much better game. A much better game. People should play Forza Gosh, Horizon 4. We've already gone way over on this. But, like, please know, right? play please play Forza Horizon 4. It's super good. The, the like, weather stuff is incredible. Uh, it's so fun to tool around. I'm finally getting my head around, like, liking different cars and stuff. Um, like, I, I don't know why I'm playing that less than I'm playing Assassin's Creed. It's because Assassin's Creed is an open question. It's because I keep wondering, is hour 25 the time that I'm finally going to start liking it? Like, really genuinely liking it's it? Not. It's, it's not. not. It's not. I don't not. think it's it is, not. Austin. 
Uh, and and there, I'll say this: there, the story, the big picture. Now that it it takes twelve hours to start to roll out what this game is about, Ugh. I'm curious about it. But it, I'm not so curious that I can put another sixty hours in. I want to oh, talk about the story. Painful. Like that'll be our next that's... podcast. Like when I play a little more of yeah, the story, because uh, we'll like, get... I have I have feelings. Yeah, <laughs> Danielle. Feelings. Yes, Danielle. I'm sorry we went so long before talking about QG Con, but can can you All talk right. to me about that for a little bit? Before I just we want to shout out one. Call talk me I down. Saw. Yes. Yeah. All right. QG Con uh, is a wonderful conference. I did not go, but uh, really awesomely, they are. Uh, they were showing off some of their talks on Twitch. They were on uh, at GQ Con and at GQ Con Two are the two sort of uh, Twitch addresses. So I think you can actually still watch all these talks. I think they're awesome up there. Uh, but yeah, it's Queerness and Games Con, and it is like it is probably the game conference. Uh, about, you know, obviously it's about queerness in games, but it's also very much like a studies conference. There's a lot of academics who go to this, uh, who present talks, they present papers, they present, uh, just really, really in-depth, really interesting, awesome, sort of weighty, meaty talks about, uh, queerness in games and queer readings of games and queer characters in games, things like that. I just wanted to shout out a talk I saw yesterday. I watched the whole thing. It was wonderful. Uh, it was by Sapphire Falkenberg and it's called, does it bother the, excuse me, does it bother you that I've been with men reward mechanisms and queer sexualities in dragon age now i'll just read a tiny little bit of the uh the sort of abstract there's a big abstract here and you can you can go read it and you can go watch it but this is just sort of the top line within the fantasy role-playing game series dragon age produced by bioware there are several queer characters across three games who can also be romance options for the player character aside from the representation of queer characters which is both important and rare in fantasy and video game texts the games include opportunities to educate the player on queerness by rewarding the player for responding positively towards queer sexualities through the use of the approval system. In this presentation, I will argue that the approval system present in the Dragon Age games function as a way to reward or punish players for their acceptance or rejection of queer sexualities in certain narrative contexts. And she does go into sort of like the ways in which um, the games are problematic or reductive in several cases, uh, but it is generally sort of about the values themselves about like the way that the games themselves sort of uh imparted values on the player and and a generally uh you know queer positive uh uh, again with some problems that are very much uh talked about and and gone into and discussed uh but but how the gameplay itself sort of shows the value systems of those games so really really cool talk uh again sapphire falkenberg uh who i think is a a professor at uh, TCU, actually. So also that was a great, great name. Hell yeah, a it's, name. A, it's a really good name. <laughs> Sapphire. Believe she her God pronouns. Damn. Yeah, I'm seeing that in the bio. So yeah, she did a great talk. Really, really awesome. There are a lot of really good talks. I still need to catch up with a lot of them. Uh, but it's a wonderful conference. Like it's really, really great. And a lot of it is, you know, somewhat academic. But it's, I find it. Yeah, you know, as I am not uh, queer studies PhD or anything right. like that, and I find it relatively accessible. Uh, especially awesome. this talk was very accessible you know it was not something you need to you know have uh 10 degrees to understand <laughs> so really really it cool. sounds right i need to look up uh, i saw a few other really great talks uh making the rounds that weekend yeah. uh, i really want to see some of them um they do I, a great job qg con is one of my favorite conferences they do a wonderful job so nice yeah. um i so that's qg con one and two on twitch 
Yeah, or not even one. It's just QG Con. Oh, and then QG Con. And then QG Con 2. So gotcha. I think they have all the talks archived there for awesome. now. Awesome. So. This, this reminds me just, I wanted to, I didn't finish my point briefly about the the uh, the sequence with the goats, which is that oh, it sucks. Yeah. I like, I think that was yeah. implicit, but I want to be very clear that like the first queer male character in the game shouldn't be set up by him fucking goats. Like what, like, a game of this size means that someone wrote that sequence and no one knew about it for seven months because that's how this shit works when you're making a game as big as Assassin's Creed Odyssey is. And it's that this is like one of the pitfalls is like, I bet someone thought they were telling a funny joke about what, how, how, you know, uh, uh, horny this dude was or whatever. Um, but it sucks. The sort of arguments around, homosexuality, queerness, and bestiality that the right has used again and again and again for, you know, centuries now is, like, terrible, uh, is dehumanizing, fundamentally misunderstands what, what love is, uh, let alone what queer love is. Uh, it is a, an excuse to put into place policies that physically and materially harm people and establishes an alibi for doing actual violence to queer bodies and queer people. So fuck off do better like uh, that is i just want to be 100 percent clear on that because i realized i set it up without spiking it and i needed to spike it yeah. uh all right we have questions we, we're not going to get to those questions one of them was really good and it was about it was about sports shout out to the person who wrote in and said thank you for talking about maybe we sports. can do it on friday maybe do it on friday it's a good right. one it's genuinely a good one i'd, I'd love right. to hear y'all and an- y'all answer it I'm Austin Walker. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick Klepek? At Patrick Klepek. How about you, Danielle? At Danielle R.I. And Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney. Uh, as always, you can follow the show, twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint vice. Um, what do we got going on this week? Um, we are going to hopefully release a podcast about the purge this week. People Ooh. should listen to the purge. Um, it's going to kick off a series of new podcasts about watching stuff. Obviously, we have waypoints now, and waypoints is about stuff we've read and stuff we've we've watched, stuff we've listened to, stuff we've we've experienced. But we wanted something that was a little closer to a traditional rewatch podcast. And since it is October, we thought let's start with some horror stuff. And so we kicked off uh, one. I bullied we, everyone into watching horror films. That is what happened. <laughs> that is what yeah. happened. And we're gonna do the purge. We're gonna probably do the second purge movie. And after that, it might become some other stuff. Uh, and it won't always be horror, but it's October, so it felt like the right thing to do here. We need to figure. And the out- purge is specifically a series that yes. has uh, very. Uh, very explicit politics that uh, gives us a lot to chew on. That doesn't Please. mean like everything that we rewatch yes. is going to be. I mean, blah blah blah. Everything is political. Uh-huh. Where, like the, the purge is very much like yo politics. It like, is unbelievably front. so. I had not seen this movie before. I'm shocked by how it's, it's a movie that I compartment. I when well when I pitched us talking about it, I was like, oh well, like the first one is like it's just a they're in a house and the setup is kind of political, but like the other ones are where it gets like come on and like in my head i just sort of compart like because this movie came out 2013 yeah. you know it's, you know you know five years later i'm like oh it was just like a home invasion movie nope dumped uh, and it's like no <laughs> i mean it is but like there's a lot going class on there warfare that's a movie about race oh yeah like it's wild so people should watch the purge because we'll release that this week um uh we are also going to record our red dead redemption waypoint 101 this week so if you have questions for that send that into Yeehaw. questions at Yeehaw. Send it into Yeehaw at gaming.com. Don't do that. Yee-haw. Don't yeah, Yee-haw at <laughs> webspace.net. 
uh, to gamingatvice.com. Um, we'd love to have those questions. There's a, there's a thread up on the forum also. Uh, so th- we were playing through the journey to Mexico um, in, in, this, in this first episode of the, of the 101. Super interesting game to revisit, given the way we, our open world games have changed and like what my, our expectations are and what, how writing has changed in games, I'll, I'll say. Um, really ex- excited to talk about that with y'all. Uh, any other stuff that we should have on the notes on, on people should think about for this week? Um, oh, for the rewatch show, if people have ideas for names, we're tossing some around internally. Yeah. But right now, my number one is Vice Gaming's new rewatch podcast. <laughs> yes, I think that. Uh, does I guess it. we should put specific parameters. It cannot be a riff on like Waypoint. Like Waypoints yeah. is 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 good, and I, I like that name a lot. And that's for in the this podcast, feed. But so, um, but yeah, the, this yeah, new the first one episode won't be. Yeah, the new yeah, one. The first one will be in the feed, and then after that, it'll be spun off into its own thing. Yeah, so. and so at that point, we want it to be something that people can just like search for the people are like oh purge podcast and they won't be like what the fuck is waypoint radio no get out of here they'll be like oh and yet purge podcast yeah not a great title not a great not a great one that doesn't so sound nice we don't want to do all. purge podcast and in this episode we're watching john carpenter's the thing but <laughs> um <laughs> so find a different name for that if you y'all have suggestions you know where to send them that's going to do it for us. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP panel machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Danielle on this gloomy Monday morning partner. I'm trying to go back to cowboy shit, and I don't have that list in front of me partner. anymore. Partner. Cowboy. Cowgirl. What, what's the cow? That's what people say. Outlaw. Outlaw. What do we say What do we say to them? Be good. Be good at it. Peace. You have something, Rob? You're leaning forward. I saw you lean forward like a bird of prey. Oh, listen. No. I apologize. I forgot you were there. You may go now. Great. Good. (laughs) When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.